0: Hey friends, welcome to the Growth Zone and the third episode of the Culture Carries Us Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Poff, and as always, I just want to say thank you for choosing to spend your time with us. All right, look guys, if you have not yet gone back and listened to the first two episodes of the podcast, you need to jump on that. You know, our guests, they brought knowledge and wisdom and really cool insight, you know, from their from their journeys, and I feel like the, it is encouraging, and I, I believe that it pushes us and challenges us to be better versions of ourselves or the people that we lead. So make sure you go back and get those. Today, though, I am humbled, honored, excited, and grateful to have Kate Lavelle join us on the show. So a little background on Kate. Kate started out as a high school lacrosse coach. She then transitioned to an NCAA lacrosse coach and is now the VP of Leadership Development for the John Gordon Companies. She's also the author of a book called Confessions of an Imperfect Coach, Definitely want to scoop that one up, guys. It's really cool. We're going to talk about it in the podcast today. Additionally, she just came out with a book that she co-authored with John Gordon that's called Stick Together. Just been recently released in like the last month and it is so on point. It is a short, easy read, but it's packed full of powerful concepts that will definitely challenge us to unify our programs, our companies, our organizations. Be sure to check that out, Stick Together, John Gordon, Kate Lavelle. You know, I'm really excited because I believe that Kate's journey is really unique and I believe that the platform that she has now been given she's using to reach as many people as she can and to develop as many leaders as she can and to is, to help cultivate cultures and so I think that we're going to be motivated and inspired to do the same to expand our influence and so I'm excited to, to hear what she brings and I hope that it's encouraging to all of us so guys here we go episode three it's time to grow welcome to the show Kate thanks for being with us awesome yeah happy to be here so I'm, I'm extra pumped this week because I know our listeners and myself are going to be encouraged and really just be able to take something away from the wisdom that you bring to the table. So kind of just start out by telling us a little bit about your journey, your background, and, and kind of what's led you to where you are today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it started off, if I go way back to the beginning, you know, when my kids were younger and I needed to get uh, out of the house, not that I don't love them dearly, but I just needed to escape and started volunteering to coach locally. Uh, I just absolutely fell in love with coaching. And I I just kind of never looked back. And I started adding on from youth coaching and I moved up through high school coaching. And then I went into NCAA coaching, coached at some division two schools. From there, I realized, wow, I can really impact so many lives as a coach, but how can I impact more lives? And I got an opportunity to become a coach's education trainer through U.S. lacrosse. And when you coach the coaches and each coach touches so many lives, you realize that the impact grows. As my impact grew, the more kind of just, I don't want to say obsessed, but I was probably obsessed I was with just growing the message and spreading it. That's when I started writing and speaking. And then I came across John um, at an airport, actually. So pay attention to who you're walking next to and sitting. Yeah, noted. Got it. Yeah. Get get your head out of your phone because you don't know who you're you're gonna run into. And that kind of led to this journey over the last seven years, actually. And and now I'm working with the John Gordon companies and I'm the VP of leadership development. I get to do workshops and speaking and and then we got to write a book. Really cool journey. And throughout that whole process, I have completely changed how I see the world. (laughs) I'm on the big scale, how I see the world on the smaller scale, how I see coaching, how I see leadership and how I
0: see my role. Man, that's awesome. I mean, basically talking about your reach and that's kind of something I've thought about recently is you were talking about coaching the coaches and then how they then impact so many people.
1: It's been really cool to see that the more you give, the more you receive. And I have learned probably far more from the people I have been, I've go- gone to help than they've taken away from me. And I get to put that in my little bag and take it with me and then spread it around. And it's really cool.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. My latest blog I wrote was called Moments Matter. It was basically just focused on how sometimes we, we see through the lens of phases of life or, or years, but in reality, like we live in seconds, like life is lived in seconds. And so it's those moments that really, I think, transcend everything else and, and really have the biggest impact. The thing about culture is that it's everywhere. And that's one thing that I kind of was looking at. Obviously, I'm a coach. So coming from like a sports background, you've been in the same place. But kind of reading through some of your things, I was thinking about how culture really is everywhere. And so organizations, schools, businesses, restaurants, it doesn't matter. Culture is being established daily in some type of way, whether we realize it or not. And so I think that's why it's so important that we're intentional about what kind of culture are we establishing, right? So talk a little bit about, you know, your path and and how now you're able to speak to all different types of arenas.
1: Yeah, I also think it's ironic that people end up teaching or helping other people in the areas that they struggled in themselves, because I think that's where you end up putting a lot of your energy and focus into. And then you kind of become a SME, you know, in that, in that area, because you have to study it so much. If you had asked me when I first started coaching, especially high school, what is your weak spot? I would have said team building culture. I don't, you know, I can coach a lacrosse team all day long and I can take a team that knows nothing and put them on a field. And we're going to do really, really well because I know how to teach the game in a way that is successful. However, if you put me with a team long term, I don't. By by the end of that uh, little era, I'm struggling and I'm you know trying to get out of there because the culture is kind of coming like a big hairy monster behind me. The old school way was really, the coach is on a pedestal. Don't question me. Don't, don't argue with me. Everybody, you're in a straight line and you're, you know, your shoes are tied and your uniforms match. And, and if that all looks great, then I'm doing a good job. And if the scoreboard looks great, then I'm doing a good job. And, and I don't want to hear from parents. And it's just kind of this power trippy separate thing that's going on. And, The problem is coaching and leadership in general is relationships. And if you're going to put a giant brick wall between yourself and the people you're leading, how do you build a relationship? No one's ever going to be honest with you about a problem they're having. No one's ever going to bring something to you. They're not going to trust you when you tell them you have their best interests at heart. They don't know you. They don't know that you're vulnerable, you know, and uh, you just end up with, you're setting yourself up for kind of a battlefield. So I just think when you're, when you're building culture as a leader, it's so important that you open yourself up and create just a completely different kind of environment. And so I just, I had to learn that by imploding <laughs> and, uh, and hating my job while like loving it at the same time, but I couldn't get it right. I was just question. I got to the point where I questioned everything and I could no longer coach because I was like, is that right? That doesn't seem to be right. I'm not, you know, it's was just a mess. And that was when I met John and he sent me the energy bus. And my transformation there was really that my, I'm a realist, you know, I'm, I'm all about like, tell me, tell me where we are because we can't fix it if I don't know where we are. So, you know, I'm not going to tell you guys you're doing a great job just because that's the nice thing to do. You're not paying attention. I'm going to tell you, you're not paying attention. And there was a little bit of that fear-based, if you fear me, you're going to listen to me because that's what I, that's what I was taught. That's what they did when I was growing up. It's not effective long-term. It's only effective short-term and they don't like you in the end. They've learned that one. I, I read John's book and I learned that positivity is actually, it's okay. And you're supposed to acknowledge where you are. Yes, this is, where, this is not good. I don't like it. You can acknowledge that you don't like it. You, I don't like the behavior you guys are showing today or what's happening. However, it's about a belief in a future that's better. And it is a like concrete, I absolutely with all my heart and soul believe that no matter where we are right now, we have the personnel, we have the tools, we have the drive, we have the know-how, we have the heart and guts and everything it's going to take to get where we're going, who's with me. And that's excitement. That's the opposite of that fear and that punishment of you're not listening. So now you're going to go get on the line and run in the short term, they're going to pay attention. In the long term, you're going to have to keep doling out bigger, scarier, worse punishments. And then, you know, what do people do when they get a punishment? They do the least amount possible to not get punished or they get deceptive to not get caught. That's not the culture you want to build, you know. And so that that was a big transformation for me. And it led to what I wrote on Confessions of an Imperfect Coach, which is the experiment I ran on a team and just completely flip-flopped. And said, "All right, 100% on experience." And gosh, I hope we win. And of course, we killed it. You know, like we broke every school record. And I went, "Oh man, this crap works." You're
0: like, what have I been doing? <laughs> That's awesome. You said something about like a, a brick wall, and I was thinking like the only walls that that we should want to be there are the ones that our people want to run through for us, right? And so I tell my players that all the time. Like, I would run through a wall for you, and I know that they would do that same thing for me. And I feel like when we can get to that place as leaders. And like you said, leadership is about building relationships, right? It's about servant leadership. It's about putting yourself on their level um, that we're all one and that we're moving in the same direction, like going towards the same vision together. And it's not like me pointing fingers. Um, So I thought that was really powerful, kind of how you talked about what it took for you to get there. And I think probably so many coaches have had that exact moment because I know I have like just feeling like, why is it not working? Like, what am I not doing right? And why am I not getting through to them?
1: One of my moments that I remember, you know, the most was it was the end of the season. It was the last season that I was at this particular high school, right before I moved to Georgia and incredibly talented team. I did not nurture the culture. I was very flip flop floppy as in You know, hey, we're gonna have a really fun practice and I'm gonna bring you donuts and, you know, like fill you up with happiness. And then the next day we're gonna practice and I'm gonna scream at you and tell you to get on the line. And so I was either total accountability or love and fun. And they were like, who are we getting today? Yeah. (laughs) Like they didn't know what was coming in. And that was not working. So what I kind of figured out, I was standing there and we were supposed to be this incredible team. So, you know, you read Stick Together, we were supposed to kill it I mean this was the most talented team and we were really successful the season before blew everybody away and this season we were blowing people away but one by one it was like I turn around and every game there'd be one more person crying during the game and I'm like why are we crying I felt like a league of their own like there's no crying in cross, you know what's going <laughs> yeah. on you know like you're supposed to be athletes why are you upset and parents calling about playing time and I'm like we're killing it. Why? I'm obviously playing the right people. you know? right. And I just, I just lost it. It was like piece by piece. It was getting out of my control. And I, I, in my book, I wrote about how it was a little bit like a sink. That's got a slow drip. And you're kind of like, I don't need to fix that. It's just a slow drip. It's not a big deal, but the sink is clogged and you don't realize it. And you get to the end of the season and the sink is overflowing And once it hits the top of the sink and starts to cascade over the side, it's too late. Like it's pouring over the sides. It's running through your fingers. You can't stop it. And that's, that's culture, you know, and that's what had happened to me. It was a slow, it was an issue here. Let's not deal with that. Let's not, let's just put a bandaid on this, whatever. And at the end of the season we go into playoffs and we, we tank in the first game, like we're done. And I knew I was stepping down to move. And I was like, I can't believe I just ended all that stress, all that work. We literally tanked because nobody wanted to be here. I mean, that was the worst part. People were upset on the field. I'm looking at the bench. Nobody wants to play. And I thought, man, I have really messed this up. But I, I it wasn't because I didn't love every single player. I did. And I wanted the best for them. It was just, I didn't know what to do. I had given them every tool. And every day I felt like I wanted it more than they did. And it drove me nuts. You know, why don't you want this as much as I do? You said you want to go to the championship. You've seen what we can do, but yet every day I have to bring you a new motivational speech. I have to get you re-excited. I have to tell you to focus, you know, like their motivation would last five minutes. And then I'd have to re-get them excited. And I thought, why is it, is it me? Like, what is going on? Or is it just this team? Maybe it's just this team I got, you know, (laughs) like, and what I learned was it was my leadership style. My leadership style was not igniting them. It was putting them out. Mm. And once I figured out, and that's what the principles and stick together are based on. They are based on the lessons that I learned of how do you ignite your team? For each other, so that they fight for each other instead of against each other, you know, like running through the wall. And just to touch on that, because I think that's so important, what you just said about that was one of the first meetings, actually, the first meeting that I have with my athletes every single season is kind of a little speech that just says, because usually we go in there and we say, here's your expectation, here's your rules, right? That's our introduction to them. And then we're like, we're going to be a family also. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, <laughs> so they're like, yeah. Yeah, that's a family, you sound like my mom, you know? Yeah, sure. Exactly. Right. You know, here's your dysfunctional family. <laughs> the first thing I want to tell them is I am going to let you down and not because I want to, because I promise you every day, I'm going to strive to be the best coach, mentor, leader, and that you have ever had. However, I can guarantee you that I'm going to let you down. I'm going to say something wrong. Um, And it will never be intentional, but I will say something wrong that you might misinterpret. I'm going to sometimes forget to sub somebody in or to that it's your birthday or, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to let you down. But what I want to promise you is that one, it will never be intentional. And I will try to be my best every single day. And I will bring it every single day. What I'm asking for you is that you will allow me that grace to be human and you will forgive me, and I promise I will make it right. And I, in return, am going to do that for you because I know you're going to have a bad day. You're going to have a bad test. You're going to be in a fight with your friend, and you're going to say something or do something you're not supposed to do, and I'm not going to hold a grudge against you as long as you promise you're going to bring your best every day intention to to be your best. We're going to all allow each other to be human because that vulnerability in that moment sets you up for, coach, I'm having a problem. Coach, I'm struggling. Coach, I need someone to talk to. Because I've already established the fact that you no longer have to come in here and be perfect for me. You're going to drop the ball, and I'm going to allow you to drop the ball. And if you're dropping the ball all the time, we're going to have a meeting and figure out how we fix it. But I'm not going to get mad at you for who you are ever. We're going to celebrate that. And that is really powerful. That's changed how we relate on the team.
0: Yeah, that is moving. I mean, that brought tears to my eyes. Because in that moment, when you say that to your team, you're making yourself human in their eyes. Because a lot of times, players look at their coaches almost like, they don't really know how to approach them. They see them differently. You know, it's like they, they look up to you, but they don't know how to look up to you at the same time. I think that your approach is powerful because you're presenting yourself as a human you're presenting yourself as one of them and then you use the word obviously being vulnerable and showing them that it's okay to be vulnerable it creates a space for them to feel they can do the same thing like you said and we
1: can't come into practice and be a hot mess even though sometimes we want to there have been occasions where i've gotten to practice and said i had a really rough day today so I'm going to, I'm going to do the best I can. And I want, I want you to call me out. If you think I'm being negative or you think whatever, I want you to call me out. So I'm not asking for permission to tank practice or to not be a good coach. That's, that's different. You know, I have a responsibility. However, I'm letting them know, first of all, if I do say something that's off, this is why it's not because of you. And I'm asking you to call me out because I want to recognize it. I don't want to think about it when I got home later and realized, oh my gosh, you know, I was really biting this person's head off because I was annoyed at something else and and it got triggered there. So I think coaches being able to be vulnerable is important. Coaches being able to say after a game, you know what, I I had two choices to make. And I think this one was the best one, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I had another, I had another option and I'm gonna own that piece of it because I think maybe I could have tried something else. And then you ask your team what 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 do you want to own? You know, what do you think you could improve? Because when we talk about it in the book, with ownership, there's owning where you messed up, and then there's owning the new choice. So it's, here's where I think I could have done something different. Here's what I'm going to do next time. So they own the action to make a better outcome. Um, and when coaches have ownership, it's powerful. It's powerful for the players. You don't want to own things for your players. You want to share in the ownership. Here's mine. What's yours?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You want to model it and and then allow them to participate, you know, giving giving our Anybody that we lead, Um, giving people a voice is so important because it creates that sense of ownership. They feel valued. They're going to buy in. So since you've mentioned it, let's go ahead and talk about it. That was the next part. Stick together. Awesome book. Guys, if you haven't already purchased that, you need to do it. It doesn't matter what arena that you are a leader in. It is a great book and one that I'm going to share with my team. I mean, I feel like you and you and John did an outstanding job. So I pulled three things that resonated, and I, so I kind of just want you to speak to those. And one, you just you just landed on ownership was the first one for me. So I said ownership, love, and consistency. Those were three that I felt we really try to to highlight in our program. And so these are three that I wanted you to kind of speak on. If you want to just start with ownership? Yeah. So um,
1: you know, in addition to kind of I guess what I was talking about there, what, what I really love about ownership is one, it's it's contagious. So when somebody starts to own something, it starts to break down the walls and it leads to one of the other principles, which is connection. You create a culture of ownership or you create a culture of blame. If you're the kind of coach who is on the sideline frequently complaining about the refs and and I've had my days where I've been there, you know, umpires or whatever you've got, you know, you're going to end up, you're modeling a blame. And, you know, let's be honest that sometimes it's their fault but we're also, we also yes. make mistakes. Okay. I'm that's not, right. Um, but sometimes
0: uh, they get it wrong. There's going to be some um, reps and umpires listening to this. We yeah.
1: can't play without them and I've done their job and I'm terrible at it. I am right. no worse. So yes, much love to them. We create this culture of blame that we have made ourselves completely powerless. And that's the worst, you know, if it's somebody else's fault, we can't change it. That's, that's no good. If we own it, we now get to say, well, I own my role in this, but I get to own a new choice. And now you're empowered to fix anything. A lot of times we associate ownership as kind of a negative thing. Like, okay, I'm going to take the blame. That sounds really negative. And it sounds negative when you tell someone, well, you need to own this, you know, it just doesn't sound good. But when you say you need to empower yourself by owning this, empower yourself to change this by owning something. What do you think you could change? Okay, well, if you're not sure what you could change, what do you own? Okay, you own that, great. What's the different choice you could do next time? And that's what coaching and leadership is. It's not about punishing people or saying, well, why didn't you know how to do this when you got here? It's let me teach you, let's make this a teachable moment because every single thing is a teachable moment. And, And when we skip that and go straight to punishment, because we want to look at the scoreboard, but that's when we miss the whole purpose of why we're here. And I, you know, you mentioned earlier, I think before we started, only one team wins the play the championship one. So if that's the only thing that matters, then 99% of us just wasted our time.
0: That's right.
1: Because it doesn't, you're never going to have a season where we're like, Oh, 20 of us won the championship this year. Awesome. Good job.
0: You know, like it's not yeah. going to
1: happen. One, you better, like the majority better learn something else along the way.
0: You're so right. I think giving them the power, letting them know that this is what we did, but then how can we change it? And I think, like you said, as leaders, our job is to help guide, right? You don't have to do it for them, but you're, you're trying to guide them, give them some of the ownership and the power to, to be able to do that on their own. That's really good. When they have so, disappointments,
1: like a, if you have a big loss or, you know, and you're trying to figure out how do you, how do we comfort them after this big loss? How do we keep them excited? Well, let's have an empowerment circle. You know, let's all sit down. It sounds kind of hippie, but you know, like <laughs> let's all <eat laughs> the bars and talk about, right? <laughs> like how oh, can goodness. I own something? How can I own something? And this should be an exciting activity where- okay, I'm going to own, totally brought the wrong shoes today. And I was sliding all over the place, you know, and I'm going to pack my bag the night before I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be prepared. And that's not going to happen again. And now I'm empowered, you know, and if everybody picks an empowerment piece, then you leave the circle energized. And when you leave a loss energized, you come to practice excited to learn and you go into the next game with confidence. One of the most, sort of off topic, but one of the most frustrating things for me is when I see teams being punished or being told, you are not allowed to talk, laugh, or whatever after a game. You should be upset because you're teaching them to basically get a crappy attitude and then come out to the next thing. Like they've been threatened. Now you're going to run sprints because of what you did today, because you guys just, you know, you didn't work harder. And it may be true. They didn't work hard enough. If that's what they're leaving with when they come back in, they're not energized and you'll, you see teams that start to lose and they start to go like this. And if you look at their post game after a loss, that's going to tell you a lot about what they're going to look like at the next game.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's all about growth. And I think it's about creating an atmosphere where, the fear of failure is not there, you know, and
1: that empowerment circle is not about letting I mean, everyone. Oh, that's too soft. That's too, you know, an empowerment yeah. circle is not soft because you're not saying we're going to just get away with this. We're saying let's own it. They're basically saying, take the blame yourself, which sounds way worse. But I guess if somebody thinks the other one's too soft, they might like the blame circle, the self-blaming <laughs> circle. Yeah. It's call it what you want. Circle. Yeah. So if you're into that. um, But yeah, it's the empowerment <laughs> circle, you own it. Yeah. Blame yourself and then pick a new choice and, and get out of there and then hold each other accountable for it. Like remember yes. when you said you were going to
0: not wear your slippers to the game? Well, well, you know. wore them. So what's that about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is about accountability. I think it, it's it's definitely, I feel that like when you're talking about that, that moment after the game, I mean, as coaches, sometimes we get lost in the fact that, okay, well, we just lost and we're, we're mad that we lost or we're mad that we feel like we know you didn't play to your potential. You weren't focused, whatever. But I, I do feel it's also important to understand like our players not trying to suck. It's not like they're trying to go out there and suck. I mean, they're trying like they don't know. Yeah. I mean, they get it. It's like, they don't need us to be like, you played horrible today. It's like, they already understand that.
1: You didn't catch anything.
0: Yeah. I'm aware of that. Thank you. Exactly. (laughs) So, I think at the end of the day, it's like every single moment, like I said earlier, like those moments matter, just like you said, is even that moment after the game, after a loss, even more so after a loss, that's when culture shows up. I mean, culture is highlighted in adversity and challenge. It just is on the flip side. When you have a poor culture, it's also going to be highlighted in in adversity and challenge. And so man, our players and our, our people that we lead can learn so much in those moments by how we respond and how we build them up. We choose to build them up in that moment instead of, you know, tearing them down further. All right. So second one, talk about love talk about the chapter on love yeah so
1: love is kind of that um for some people totally comfortable word and for some people like "Mm, i'm really uncomfortable with this whole love icky stuff sounds again sounds soft nobody likes to be soft in sports no crying in baseball. So um man, you are
0: killing the Tom Hanks today. I right? I just you, are. you are. You are coming hard with him.
1: I you know what? It's hard because it's supposed <laughs> to be hard. That's what makes it great.
0: That's right. There
1: we I'll go. Pull them out. What are we talking about, love? Okay. So <laughs> I think. I love this quote and John kind of pulled one. This is one of his old tweets and he threw this into the book and it was so perfect. And that was a team with a lot of love. Doesn't need a lot of rules. The reason I like this so much is because first of all, the most organized coaches in the world will hand you a binder full of rules and they're super proud of it. Cause it's, it's like, look at how it's all laid out and they know their expectations. Right. Hold as a new coach. Lay out your expectations at the beginning and, you know, be really firm at the beginning, or they're going to run all over you, all these things that Mm -hmm. they teach you. If you have a lot of love, then you love your teammates. And so you don't want to disappoint them or let them down by doing something that would hurt them or the performance of the team. And if you love your coach, then you don't want to let your coach down. So you want to work harder for them. And if you love yourself, you're not going to allow yourself to bring less than your best. You know, you're not going to allow yourself to talk to yourself in a really negative way because you have learned that self-love. So I think love in general is really important for the team to just function at a high level. and, And who wants to waste all of your time on punishments and consequences and doling out things where rules were broken? I would rather take that time and put it into building relationships where people want to fight for each other and that's going to build you know I think all these principles lead back into that one principle of connection you know they all kind of bring you back there it's okay I think it's okay tell your players you love them have yes for your players to tell each other that they love them and you know I a couple years ago one of my athletes actually passed away and one of my college athletes and and I said goodbye to her and flew home for Super Bowl weekend. And I'm sitting there watching the Super Bowl and I got a phone call that she had passed in a car accident over the weekend. And the last thing that I said to her, I gave her a hug and I said, I love you because we had a one-on-one meeting right before I left. And I think about if I hadn't had that one-on-one and I hadn't said that to her, the interaction I had before was kind of negative. And I'm like, man, I'm so glad that that was the last conversation that I had and and I think back on that a lot. When I have a conversation with my athlete, I remind myself, what if this is the last conversation you have with them? And that is really powerful because sometimes we just don't have that foresight to think about how could this, you know, if this is the last thing, you know, something can happen to me, you know, if this is the last thing that I leave with this athlete, is this really what I want it to be? And and when we get rushed and whatever, we just throw something because we're frustrated out there, that's a powerful thought. You know, it, it'll make you be a little more conscious of what comes out of your mouth. I, I just think love is is really important to to grow and and nurture on your team.
0: Absolutely, yeah. That's first of all, I'm really sorry about your player. That's very sad. One of, one of the worst experiences I know. A lot of people out there have
1: been on an experience where they've lost a teammate, a coach, or a coach has lost a player, and and it always sounds really horrible, but when you go through it, it's, it's, um, tenfold worse than, than it looks from the outside.
0: Absolutely. But, and it's because it's because too of, of the way that we pour ourselves out, right? So as coaches and as teammates, when you're on a team that has a great culture, when we do pour into other people, I mean, you're just pouring yourself out. So those connections and that love is so strong that obviously those, those kind of situations are just absolutely terrible. But I do agree with you that love is, in my opinion, the most important thing about a culture. And it has to be present, you know, and it has to start, I mean, like my players have to see me not afraid to love them. They need to know that I love them and that I care about them and that I'm there for them as a person first. So it's always people first. Our approach is people first always, you know, I tell the kids, you know, I have four years with you. And so when you leave after four years, I know I'm going to be impacted by you. Like I'm going to be a better person because of you. I'm going to be a better version of me, but I I need to know that in, in those four years, that I want them to leave being a better person. Okay. And if we win a lot of games along the way, cherry on top, awesome. And because of the culture we've built, we're going to be, we're going to, we are going to win some games. But I need them to leave being better people because that is so what life is about is so much more than the X's and O's. You know what I mean? Like culture is so much greater than strategy and mm-hmm. talent. Like culture is everything. Talent
1: and strategy will win the regular season. I think culture wins playoffs because. That's when the pressure hits. And your your pressure is your foundation is your culture. If your culture is weak, if your culture doesn't have is just a mess, you know, if you got a house with the walls all facing in different directions, you know, like it's just <laughs> coming together. Yeah. Then you put that pressure and it's gonna crumble. And this is the entire reason we have upsets, in my opinion, is because you have a team that has been winning a lot and and that that covers up all sorts of issues right when you're winning you kind of don't have as many pressures going on but then you get your first high pressure situation of a playoff game and now you're tested and all of a sudden you see the teammates starting to turn on each other and you see that lack of a system you see lack of connection you see the coach breaking down you see the players no longer trusting the coach and doing their own thing this is from a poor culture and that's going to happen in playoffs but then you have a team that it's almost a blessing to lose the whole regular season. I know that sounds terrible, but if you lose the whole regular season, but you're learning, so your practices are great, you're learning, you're getting better, but your whole season, every time you lose, you have to learn how to be resilient. You have to learn how to build each other up. Like you have to face your culture. They're, you're not waiting until playoffs to face it because if uh, everyone's going to quit. <laughs> if you're not having a yeah. culture and you're losing, like, well, I'm not going to practice. This is terrible. Yeah. Right? So you got it. Like losing teams have, usually have great culture. All right. so, like, like they have to, they got to have something. So your culture is building. So then you get into the playoffs. The other team is starting to turn on each other. Your team who's been building all season and is, knows how to build each other up and, and can support themselves under this pressure, start to fight for each other and then upset. You know, nope. that's where they turn the screws, they tighten it up and, and the other team is out. And I think if you're, do you want to win the regular season or you want to win the playoffs?
0: Like, right. I'm trying to, to I'm it. trying to be the 1%. I don't know. Right, right. Exactly. I want yeah. that. I want that one, that one spot, right? don't yeah, we we right. want the, the ring, right? <laughs> Let's get it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. You're right. All right. So the last one I, I I put on here was consistency. Talk about that. The importance of consistency in a culture.
1: Yeah. I mean, consistency in everything, (laughs) like everything, everything, you know, and I I was, I used to be a personal trainer and I couldn't hack getting up at 3am every morning. But one of the biggest things you see with people coming into programs is, you know, well, I ate really good Monday through Thursday, but for those other three days, you know, I ate whatever I wanted or, or it's like, it's just really sporadic and whatever. And I'm like, man, you're coming in here for three hours on the days when you want to work out, but it's really sporadic. You realize you could work out for 20 minutes every single day and pass, like by far the results you're getting with the sporadic thing, because it's about consistency. It's little things repeated over time. And it's the same thing with your teammates. Your team has to practice your fundamentals. All of those things have to be practiced over time. But what happens is we start living by our emotions and that has become more and more acceptable and more common is if I feel this way, I can act this way. And we need coaches and parents and leaders all over the place to say, no, you do not want to live by your emotions. You are going to have a really messed up life because your emotions by nature are all over the place, especially right. you're a teenager. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, it's like, if your day depends on your circumstance, one, you have no power in your life whatsoever to choose anything. And if your day depends on your emotions, then anyone can come in and get you off your game. And that is the worst thing as an athlete that you can have. Somebody can get into your head and control how you perform. You have a problem. And if you have a rough day and that dictates how your practice goes, it's bad for you. But let's think about how it's bad for your team. Okay. So let's say you got, how many people do you have on, on, on your team? 16. Okay. 16 people. So 16 people, let's say. Two of them are having a bad day at a time. That's probably reasonable, right? Like every day, there's probably one or two that had a rough day. That means that every single day, you've got two grouchy Debbie Downers coming in to to practice ruining it. It's always going to be somebody who's having a rough day. And so now you're never going to have a good practice. We have to agree that this is the commitment we're making. And no matter how I feel today, I'm tired. I don't feel like it. I have a test later, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm going to bring this. This is the product that I'm bringing. This is the this is what the best me looks like, and it's nice to have them define that. Who are you when you are your best self?
0: What is that? I like that. That's good.
1: Know who it is. Maybe hang that up, and like Mm. these are these are three words to describe my best self. Here's here's how I perform. Here's how I practice. And ask yourself, am I bringing this? Because if you're not, your team is going to suffer. And that consistency is so important. And holding each other accountable and saying, look, I've seen. Your best effort so it's not you're not good enough or um i don't think you want it i mean that's a judgment we can't make right yeah. but we can say i know what your 100 percent looks like and i can tell you right now that this is not your 100 percent. what can we do to get you there you know a scale of one to ten where do you think you are on your best self scale okay you think you're at like a six what would it take to get you to a ten and a little bit of that you know self reflection can go a long way especially before practice how am i feeling right now All right, I'm feeling it like a four, so I better do something to get myself up to a 10 before I step out there on practice. So um, I love having intention journals for players before practice to sit down and say, here's what I need to get to that 10, here's who my best self is, here's two people I wanna connect with today. And here's something that I really, if I do this today, I'm gonna consider this a successful practice. So I have that one focus, you know, and that kind of puts away the day Puts them back into that mode of I can be consistent because I'm now focused and I now know what what I've agreed to commit to to bring this every single day. And then you get your whole team being consistent. And man, if you have a consistent team, you're golden, right? Absolutely. That's one of the biggest things in high school, I, yeah. I think, is consistency that you battle.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Um, I think the self awareness aspect yeah. of that that piece is is so good because if you have your coaches, your coaching staff, and your players doing that, like you're talking about before practice, I mean, writing it down makes it real, right? Sometimes we just think about something like it's just passing, Mm -hmm. but we have to write it down. It makes it real. It's tangible. And now we're like being intentional about like when my girls walk from the field house, from their locker to the field, they're already thinking like, I love what you said about, you know, two people I can connect with today. I think that's great because like you said, it is all about building relationships. We want them to fight for each other. And so what better way to do that than to actually like get to know and care and connect with Every single person on that team, not just oh, this is my best friend. Man, that's good. I'm gonna steal on your idea. So. Hey, go, oh,
1: go for it, please. I've yeah. stolen most of mine, I think. So, um, yeah, that that is a, a really big piece is having that intentional intentionality when they walk out onto the field. But what I re- I like about it, on top of that, is it's kind of like a food journal when you're trying to figure out what you're allergic to. So if if they're keeping track of that in a notebook, and they look back at it and go, man, I noticed that every Thursday. I have been a four. Like, what am I doing on Wednesday night? Oh, I have that club on Wednesday night. And then I end up staying up and we go out for ice cream afterwards or whatever. Yeah. That's, you know, like, this is really good for self-diagnosing when you have that one on one with your coach. Hey, let's look at your numbers, you know, and, and see where maybe where you have some inconsistencies and then we can kind of work backwards and we can come up with some solutions. Um, I think that really helps. or we notice that the week before you have a test like you're a disaster, okay maybe we need some some study prep. we need to do a bubble schedule, whatever it is. so um, I, I like to have stuff written down just for that sake.
0: Yeah, absolutely I think probably a step further too, I feel that you know post practice or maybe at the end of each week I think it'd be cool for the players in their journals to write down moments where they saw a teammate show up for somebody else Yeah um so now they're seeing that and they're writing down like okay, I saw, I saw Emily go pick up Sydney when she was having a bad day. She made a couple errors. I saw her pick her up. Well, now they're seeing that. And so now they can make that a goal for themselves too. Like I want to be that person. Like I want to be that teammate. Do you have a locker room? We do. Uh So if you
1: have a locker room, um, go invest in some sticky, sticky notepads and um, just leave them out with some pens somewhere on the, on the table. And when they come in from practice um, and they can do it before practice too, but if they saw something during the school day, if they saw something at practice like that, or they're like, man, that they really lifted them up or somebody pushed me to be better. Or, Someone called me out and I really appreciated how they did it or, you know, whatever it is afterwards, they just write something on there. Like I appreciated how you, whatever, or I noticed how you did this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you just stick, you know, stick it on their locker, you know, anytime, anytime they think of it, when they see something like that and they just get into the habit of doing that. And it's, one is powerful for them, like you said, writing it down. But the other thing is to have somebody call you out for something that you did that was solid, that you were not looking for recognition for, you didn't know anyone saw that you did it. When you get that on a consistent basis, since we're on consistency, I think is really powerful at the end of the season. And and then they they just value um, they value each other, but they also begin to you know repeat repetitive behavior of of the good stuff. You know, I'm getting called for this, so now I'm going to repeat that because I I got good feedback for it. So I, I think that's a um just a good culture building.
0: Yeah, I love it. All right. So I noticed I was reading some of your your mission statement on your website. And um I liked where it said that you you use your platform to build up. So talk a little bit about in general leaders and not just coaches, but leaders in any atmosphere, any capacity. What does that really mean to use your platform to build someone up?
1: Yeah, you know, I um I started thinking about this, you know, back when I started kind of transforming as a coach. And I actually went and and sat and watched a bunch of youth practices, and I started writing down. I would sit behind the bench, and I wrote down phrases of things I heard the coaches say to the kids while they were coaching. And these are youth practices, so this is not professional sports. And some of the things were like really positive, you know. And you're like, "Oh, that's so nice. Look what he said. Look, she's beaming. Isn't that great?" And you know. And then some of them, you're like, "Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Tell the parents this is going on. This is terrible." But, you know, just like, you're lazy, you're slow, you're and it was just like, onslaught after, you know, thing after thing. And, and I'm like, and I'm writing it down. And I'm, I'm like, I'm glad they weren't saying this to me, because this is a lot of, of negative stuff and a lot of judgmental s- statements. And what I saw was some coaches were building something, they were building confidence, they were building excitement, they were building fun, they were building a program, because people wanted to bring their friends, and they all wanted to be a part of it and then the other coaches were breaking kind of like you know old school military drill sergeant like i'm going to break you down and make you better what they don't realize is that kids are i'm not say kids today because that sounds that makes you sound so old but um <laughs> like <laughs> kids are they're already broken I mean, first of all, they're broken from COVID. They're they're broken because kids are struggling because parents are struggling because people are working a lot of jobs and, and not connecting as much. And they have so many pressures and they're being expected to do far more sports, far more activities to get it, the competition to get into sports, colleges, all that is insane. The cost is crazy. They're under a lot of stress, whether we want to admit it or not. You know, yes, they have Google, but they also have a lot of stress, you know? Yes. So I think that it's so important that we don't, Break them down with the intention of if I break them down, then I'll be able to rebuild them. Because when you break them down, they're not coming back. And you may not have the opportunity to build them back up. So that old school mentality is of that everything is too soft. You know, it just doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work on these kids, the majority of kids, you know. And so what I wanted to focus on was how can I myself make sure I'm building? And how can other leaders be building? and not breaking it goes over into if it's business if you're an athletic director if you are a CEO or a manager of any kind when you call somebody in for a one-on-one you can either speak belief and truth into them to make them better or you can tell them where they are flawed and we all have this negative voice in our head you know we all have that tendency to you know really not be nice to ourselves And the last thing you want to give somebody is validation for one of those negative thoughts Yeah. because they are going to grab onto that. So if if we focus on building and we're always building, it's a really easy way to say is what I'm about to say, going to build them. Doesn't mean you're blowing sunshine, right? It's truthful, but it's full of belief. Here's where you are. But I believe this is my job is to tell you where I see your potential. And I've always felt like that's my gift and it made me a good coach. I see people as who they can be. And it's my job to transfer that belief into you so you can see who you can be. And then it's my job to give you the tools. Yes, you have to bring what you need to bring, but I can't just put that on you and then tear you down and expect you to get there because you're making the road harder. Why would you make the road harder if you want them to be successful? You know, if somebody's yelling at you and telling you you're doing it wrong, it's going to be twice as hard than if someone was supporting you our job is to coach and to build. So that's that's kind of where that came from.
0: Yeah, I mean, you definitely don't want to miss any moment for growth. You know, those are growth moments when you have a, an opportunity to sit down one-on-one with anyone and and speak like you said belief into them, right? And love and encouragement and hey, this is what this is what you do really well and here's where we think we can improve. So how can we do that? And like you said, give them the tools. But I do want to say though, you know, kudos to you for I love your approach. I love your, your perspective. I love that. Like you took the time to go sit at youth practices, not like you're going to like, I don't know, professional sports. I mean, you're <laughs> at a youth practices, like watching coaches who are volunteers, not like they're getting paid, you know, but the moments that you spent doing those things is such a huge part. I, I feel of kind of what's led you to where you are and, and what you noticed kudos to you. Cause I think that a lot of people, they skip that. They skip the part where you should seek growth. You know, they skip that part of like, what's working and what's not, and why is it working? And let me like take the time to, to pay attention and observe.
1: That is the competitive nature in me. And I think more coaches can grab onto that if they realize that that's, that's what I was doing. It was culture is beating me. Like I was, that's literally how I looked at it. I was like, culture is kicking my butt. And I'm tired of it, and I want to win. And so I'm gonna go figure this out. And and it was pure like I'm conquering this. It was just competitive nature. It wasn't like I'm gonna be an angel and a great person, and I'm gonna go sit and listen to these practices. I was like, I'm tired of having an issue. Let's go (laughs) over (laughs) it. Like like you know, it makes me look really good. But I honestly, I just was tired of getting my butt kicked in culture, and I was tired of not knowing why can I not motivate you? Like, I'm so tired of trying to come up with new ideas for fun stuff. Like there's gotta be a better way. And there was, but I had to I had to study it to get there. And um, and it was well worth it. And I and, love that I can pass it on to people so they don't have to do that. You don't have to go sit at youth practice. Yeah. You can go read all my blog articles, That's and right. read, it, read my book and, and you can get all of that. And uh, it'll be, save you some time because <laughs> that was 10 years worth of studying.
0: Yeah, I mean, and yes, you obviously you did that because you were tired of having a losing culture and you're competitive, but I think what's more compelling and what I see when I, when I listen to you speak is that at the end of the day, besides all of that, you did that because of your passion for people and your passion to like grow people and love people and, and be better for people. And so yes, you're competitive, but you don't spend the time doing that if you're not passionate about the people that you're leading.
1: I will tell you I had, and I wrote a blog article on this, which is in my Confessions of an Imperfect Coach, which is my transformation story, which I wrote as it happened. It was really cool. So you actually see my reaction as things are starting to shift. And in my life shifted, it wasn't just a coaching shift. It was incredible. And, but then I put all the blog articles from, from all these studies I was doing into that book as well. And and what happened was one of my athletes who had graduated, this is before my transformation, put a tweet out. Somebody said, something about me on Twitter, of course, because you're going to get bashed on Twitter. And and underneath of it, someone had responded who was a player from the year before. And it said, she's a life ruiner. And I was, it, it burned. Like to know that somebody would describe me as their coach as a life ruiner, then, I mean, I know that's an exaggeration. I know I didn't ruin her life, but right. she felt that strongly about her experience with me and I didn't even know that there was an issue. And that's where I went, oh my gosh. You're know, like, I, she didn't play a lot, but I, you know, she, she didn't deserve to play a lot. You know, I was like, I don't know. I was just doing what what I saw, you know, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter if, if her playing time was correct, because my treatment of her did not make her feel valued outside of her playing time. And I understand that now. I didn't in the moment, but in the moment, I just felt this intense pain. And I thought, I never, ever want someone to feel that way because of me and my responsibility. And that's again, with that build, not break my, my job is not to come in here and, and win championships. Yes. That is part of what we're striving to do. But if I am missing the biggest part of my job, which is to help these kids grow and what sports gave me, which was an escape, then I am really messing up.
0: And I took that very seriously. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. All right. So give us a practice or a habit that you could share with us that would help leaders to build a stick culture. That's what I've been hashtagging on Twitter for your yeah. book. Oh, uh, I like it. So like hashtag it. stick culture. That's what, that's what our team going to try to build this year, but talk to us about like a habit or a practice that you would share.
1: Yeah. I mean, in the book, we've got a couple for, you know, say connection, anything where you can get people talking about things they wouldn't normally talk about is great for connection, uh, if you do team building, everyone loves to do, you know, we all have budgets in our booster, like, oh, we're going to do one team building activity. And I don't know, it's, you know, go to the trampoline park and, and break something probably, but the, <laughs> I don't go to that one. I'm gonna hey, get we're not, we're
0: marking that trampoline one off.
1: Trampoline parks are amazing. I love them. You should, I'm not bashing anyone. But, um,
0: <laughs> good, that was good. You, you backtracked really well. I, backtracked.
1: I did take my, my kids log rolling at a pool. And of course somebody twisted their ankle. So I, I learned Team building activities are overrated, guys. (laughs) I Um, they're fun, but you have the same clicks at your team building activity that you have on the field. It's not, it doesn't really correlate. I think they're fun. I'm not saying don't do them, but pick something that is going to actually connect them. And whether that's you you make up a whole bunch of questions on index cards that are really random and they have to go around and trade cards and ask each other questions and interact. Um, The hero highlight hardship where everyone shares you know, all three of those with each other as a team. and bring some tissues because that always end up, you know, crying. And I don't care if you are a football team or a cheerleader team or a softball team or a lacrosse team. Like it's, it's a very emotional experience putting somebody up front and having everyone just shout out do shout outs of why they love having this person on the team filling people up the sticky activity sticky notes things like that yes constantly offer ways for people to build each other up those are great for connection the ownership you know having that ownership circle you know blame myself circle whatever the, the negative version of that but having that going on as a coach I loved, so I started sending out two texts after every practice. One was to someone who had gone above and beyond that day. And the other was to someone that I felt needed encouragement. And it was just a way as a coach to connect with my players. You could put that out there as a challenge to your team. Everybody send two texts you know, of the same nature or, or pair up with people who um, write which is your best school subject on the board next to your name and then write your worst one and now match. You know, and so you're pairing people up who can tutor each other and call each other up and say, I have a test in this class or whatever. And you're just building this culture of support that's going to come through there. I mean, there's so many ways that you can just kind of promote all of these things. Inclusion, I think, is huge. Um, I know we didn't talk about that, but the fact that you have to, um, you want to invite, everyone, to create inclusion. Everyone wants to be included, but how many of you are actually going up to the new kid and saying, hey, come hang out with me? You know, you can't just want to be included. You have to commit to including others and reaching out and saying, hey, come in and be a part of this with us. We notice you're by yourself. And the other one is, if you want to be included, you better commit to give. So mm-hmm. a lot of people, well, a lot of people, but um, players and, and teammates and people in a group are going to say, well, they didn't, I didn't get asked to do this, or I didn't get to be a part of this. I never get to be captain. But when you ask people who wants to help clean up or who wants to be a part of this fundraiser or who wants to whatever, they're like, oh, I don't want to. If you wanna be included, you don't get to pick and choose. So if you wanna be included, that means I'm gonna to commit to including myself in any opportunity that I that is in front of me, whether it's my favorite one or my least favorite one, because it's not fair to say, no one included me in this one thing that I really wanna do when you turn down all the other options because they weren't your favorite. Right. Um, And so inclusion is so big, you know, it encompasses so much more than just making a welcoming environment. It really is that ownership piece, that commitment piece. You know, leaders go first. So if you want to be included, your job is to make other people feel included. If you want other people to be more committed, then you need to show commitment and they will return it to you. You're a boomerang. If you want to feel loved, then reach out and give some love to some other people on your team. And I promise you, it's going to come back to you. So anything that you're asking for that you're lacking, if you want it, you don't ask for it. You don't mope for it. You don't complain about it. You give it, you give it, you're going to get it back. And that's um, that's really the biggest uh, message I have for, for any of these principles is teach the athletes, teach the, anyone in your team, give it, give, give these principles. And it's going to all, it's going to, spread and it's going to ignite and it's going to um go into your culture.
0: Yes. Kate, you're bringing the goods right now. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right though. Like, I mean, it permeates, right? So everything we do permeates the negative, unfortunately, and the positive. And so that's why it's so important that we're intentional. So your book, all right. The book Stick Together that you and John did, you know, just came out recently. I know it's been a huge hit. It's one that I'm going to share with my team. I mean, what was when you guys sat down to write the book, where did the idea come from? What is the act? Like, what do you want from it? What's the objective?
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I actually, um, I wrote this story and I was, uh, I was trying to find some way to take the experiences that I had and that questions that people asked me about teams and to put them into something. Uh, and I wasn't sure what that was. And I used to read Aesop's fable when I was a kid, you know, I was, a I, I read anything I could find when I was a kid. I loved reading. And I love these fables. They're kind of short and interesting. I read a bunch of at a time, and and so I said I'm gonna kind of look through there and see just see if I can spark something. And then I I found this one on the sticks, and I thought, wow, this is really this is a really powerful concept. And it I'd seen it before actually, and someone reminded me about uh, pencils. Like I've seen people do it with pencils, and I was like, oh, I've seen that too, where you can break the pencil or you can stack them together and they're hard to break.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and I thought I, I want to make something about this, so I ended up kind of pulling the story together and and I used my experiences of what principles really have made a big difference in teams. And I, and I brought it to John like about a year and a half ago and John does what John does. I mean, he, he's so great at helping to hone the message and to kind of tweak it and then to put his little quotes and touches. And, you know, he did, he did what he does and and he, he brought it to life and um, it was just a really cool project to work on and, and put out, but who knew that when we were deciding to do this, that we were going to get hit with what we got hit with. You know, we knew like, hey, this is a great message and and teams need it. You know, we, and it was a little bit of divine timing that, that we, that it came out right now when everyone's fatigued from the last year and, and teams are um, there's, there's so much just unrest going on in division and, and then teams not being able to play and then coming back to their season and getting knocked yeah. out because they played a team with COVID don't even have it you know, but played a team that might have it. And then you you lose your senior year or whatever. And it's, it's hard. So it was just really great timing to say, all right, how can we be a stronger team despite the most ridiculous, you know, odds that we could have never foreseen coming and so it ended up being just just great timing for that and John and I both played lacrosse so you know we, we were kind of like oh sticks cool <laughs> you, know, we, yeah. you know we call our lacrosse sticks twigs sometime wands you know so I was like all right we got some sticks and we had to come up with the name so that was struggle I think it was like it was like the twig challenge the stick challenge it was the sticks and then of course John's like stick together I'm like, Damn. Damn. stop,
0: we got it." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, you guys did a fantastic job. I mean, the book is it's it's really powerful because it's like the concepts are so, I I guess some would say simple, but they're not. There's so there's so much in them. There's so much substance in that small book. You know, I sat down and read it like cover to cover, couldn't put it down. And as soon as I finished reading it, I posted it hashtag Stick Culture. We're going after it. That's that's what we want, right? We want to be together. We want to be one and and be united. So.
1: I get yeah. weepy when I get, and this is ridiculous, but when I get to, you know, towards the end when when they figure it out, you know, and I don't spoil it, but I get emotional. And I think, you know, I think it's because it's my story. You know, I think it's because I was that coach. I was that, you know, um, it's just this coming together of all the things that I've learned. And when you just get it in that moment. So I just identify so strongly with that, that when I read it, I'm like, yeah, remember Um, (laughs) but it it is just very simple the principles are very simple but I think we highlight them in a way that people don't look at them typically or or wouldn't necessarily apply them and I think that makes all the difference you know it's one thing to just say love each other or be consistent but it's another thing to understand what are all the elements we're talking about and why does that matter okay and how can we how can we apply this and get people excited about it? You know, and that's like I said, John. John's so great; he's all like magical with really honing in on those um, on those pieces.
0: He's magical with his wand, right? He is, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. I got my old wooden
1: sticks back here. I, I see that I see myself, that.
0: but yeah. <laughs> Another thing that I felt that was so powerful about the book is that you know I finished reading it and then I went back to the very front and I looked at the table of contents just to read the the name of each chapter and I was like immediately struck by the fact that they have to all be present. I started looking at them and I was like, okay, well, what if my program had these, but they didn't have consistency? Or what if my program had this, but they didn't have love? And I'm like, no, you have to have them all, you know? And so I thought that was the most powerful part of the book to me is because you can read each chapter and be like, oh, that's really cool. I love how they, you know, made that point. And I love the part about ownership. But then it's like, you said it actually earlier, you talked about how ownership goes back to connection And so as I was reading, I'm like, really, they all connect. Like you can't, you can't just be missing one of them. You can't have
1: um, consistency without ownership and you can't have, you know, um, everything leads into connection. And if you, if you have connection, then you're going to have love, you know, they all, they're all like woven together. And you can focus on one at a time, but while you're focusing on that one, another one is going to benefit at the same time. And it's really going to, um, just kind of build off of each other. And it's, it's really cool how they, they do kind of like just interlock.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just don't, you can't have a stick culture without building relationships that is, I mean, relationships are, they're the foundation, they're the cornerstone. I mean, you got to have them. And you can't have that without love. The book is awesome. So if you haven't already purchased it, you definitely need to do that. And I'm excited to read your Confessions of an Imperfect Coach because just hearing you speak on it today, um, I think so many people could probably relate. I was
1: very raw and very honest about, you know, who I was as a, as a coach and how I felt as the journey was going. And And most of my entries were I was traveling a lot at the time. So I was on, I'm on a plane and I'm kind of like tearing up and I'm writing because I'm, I'm discovering myself in the journey. And what I've heard from other coaches that have read it is that you are me. Like I transformed while you transformed in the book because they had literally been exactly where I had been. And that's why I decided to put it out there because originally I wrote it as a journal and then I sent it to John and I said, Hey, just so you know, I wrote this based on an experiment I did on my team after I read The Energy Bus and he read it and he shared it and then I made these little tiny booklets I still have them somewhere floating around but cute little booklets that I handed out and it was kind of like this little grassroots thing and people would share it around and then I realized this is helping people so that's when I ended up ended up putting it out so Yeah. It's really cool. I think any coach that's feeling kind of just frustrated or stuck, or even like they're under the microscope and being attacked because that is how I felt all the time. This is a great, um, great book for you to check out.
0: Yeah. I might want one of those little, your little, yeah. I'll I'll definitely send you one. Yeah. Can you dig up one? I'm like, I'm looking at my mess of a bookshelf. Yes. I know I've got one. (laughs) Yeah. Dig up one of the OGs and send it to me.
1: I'll send you one. I'll send you a, a stick together bracelet.
0: Yeah. I definitely need that
1: you up
0: <laughs> yes last part in each of the episodes we like to do a part that's called culture investment shout out just to give you an opportunity to shout out to someone who has poured into you and helped shape the leader that you are today all right
1: a leader who poured into me gosh you know it's hard because there's there's so many obviously john you know i mean like i feel like that's an obvious one so i almost don't even have to say it but right. he was he was a huge uh mentor for me where he would ask me you know like i'd say something and he'd be like I don't know if you're walking the walk right now. <laughs> oh, right, okay, <laughs> you called me out on that, huh? You know, I had coaches that I would call that would give me advice, and um, Jeanette Ireland is one of them, and she is um, she's an amazing Hall of Fame field hockey coach out in Maryland, and um, she's just, she's incredible. And every time I talk to her, she just has these really valuable insights, and so I would, I remember the first time I called her, I was running the experiment and I was like, I have a really difficult player on my team who thinks everything is stupid, but everyone on the team thinks she's the coolest. And so they all do what she does. And I was like, she's kind of snotty and I don't really know what to do with her. And she was like, I had a player like that and I, here's what I did. And she became like the best player on the team. And I was like, oh, that's not gonna happen. Well, lo and behold, she ended up becoming um, one of my just closest players relationships that I've ever had. She I ended up making her a captain. She went off to play college and she called me and asked me some advice about her college team and, and we still keep in touch. And that was, you know, a piece of advice that really changed what do I do when I have a difficult player rather than just write them off and feel like I can't connect. Especially with a girl, girl to girl, sometimes you just don't rub right, you know, right. And your personalities and and I just felt that way. I just had to approach it differently and and so she gave me some great advice and, and she's always been there for for that kind of stuff so definitely definitely her for sure is one of them but so many so right many. i had an amazing uh, athletic director that's um and I, I will shout out matt percival and i've shouted him out a couple times but he's over in minnesota at ecu high school his culture I, a lot of 80s talk you know talk about it but they don't do it not, they don't be about
0: it they talk about it they don't be about it and they don't he, put shoes they don't put shoes on it no,
1: yeah, exactly. He he lives it every single day, and he teaches it to other schools. And I'd never worked in an environment, and I never have again, <laughs> with with something like that. And it was so powerful. I was like, wow, I love working here. Like, this right, is great.
0: You know,
1: like he supports everything I'm doing, and and he backs it up. He's not just just saying it. So, um, yeah, people like that really make a difference.
0: You know, I think it is really um, interesting that you know you're my third episode and so all three of my guests so far have all said basically what you did which was man there's so many people who do i who do i shout out to and i think that i think that says a lot about how many people have poured into all of us i mean i could name multiple people who have poured into me to help shape who i am today and even in just the short time that i've followed you on twitter read the book you know listened to you today i mean you've already shaped me and so it's like how blessed are we that we've had so many people pour into us and so now that's what you are doing now you're pouring into other people because somebody poured into you and so now you're giving back and and that's what i'm and that's what i'm trying to do right we're trying to impact lives and change people and it's just it's cool because it's a ripple right that's what it is i mean we're we're just we're gonna pass that on to somebody else so like my kids right now in my program that I'm loving on, that I'm building relationships with, that I'm trying to teach about life and leadership. And my hope is that they're gonna be impacted and that they're now gonna go pour into somebody else. And then that just continues, right? It's just a ripple. And you've obviously you've obviously been poured into by a lot of great people and now you're doing that for so many people. So, you know, I just wanna say thank you for who you are, your approach, your love, your passion for leadership, and just really how you put yourself out there, you know, like Brene Brown would be very proud of you for being, <laughs> for being vulnerable. And- uh, I am her right
1: here actually. So I, awesome. I do too. Oh, I knocked everything over. Oh, <laughs> fail.
0: You know, I think
1: one of the, the greatest lessons that I learned as kind of growing into an adult, you know, was just questionable as so I'm kind of an adult, but I feel like life is really, it's difficult. It's hard, you know, the more life you go through, the more you realize how difficult it is. How do you overcome so many things for me, I feel like when you pour into somebody else, it comes it like overflows back into your own cup. I've had some really low, difficult parts of my life and when I've had that and I have made it a mission to go out and connect and, and give to other people, that has been what has pulled me out. And so it becomes something that um, helps regenerate myself, helps yeah. kind of start Uh, what I need but I also do it to fill the cup of my inner child you know I think there are places where I had coaches that didn't pour into me I had places where I wish someone had done it differently and that drove a lot of my passion it was I don't want any other kid to feel the way I did when my coach my teacher my neighbor whatever said that to me and they maybe had good intentions but someone needs to teach people that that is not the way you need to do it. man, I could have really hit my potential. I feel like if I'd been nurtured in a slightly different way, how can I empower other kids? What about those kids that are being told that they're not athletic? I don't know how many kids have been dropped off to one of my youth practices and the parent was like, well, they're not athletic. And they end up being incredible. And I thought, well, yeah, if you tell somebody they're not athletic, they're never gonna be athletic. Right. You know, just because they're not the best athlete in the world starting off on day one or when you play backyard Frisbee does not mean they're not athletic. Um, everyone can be an athlete when they find the right fit. For me, it's really about just giving that empowerment away and how, how much that um, makes me feel good.
0: <laughs> yeah, it does. It, it, it really does because, you know, and I, I mentioned it earlier, but my, my last blog I wrote actually went out yesterday and it was called Moments Matter. And it was about a personal story between myself and a student that I formed a, a really close bond with. And I think that one of the things I wrote in there that I really realized is that, you know, all the time that I was trying to mentor him, and and pour into him, I didn't realize it in the moment, but after the fact, I realized that I think he impacted me just as much, and I was changed just as much for that interaction um, as he was. And you know, I still have him in class right now, and I'm very close to him and his family, and he's just amazing. He's just an amazing person, and it was one small moment that I wrote about that even allowed him to be in my class like it could have went either way and i would have never known him and it cripples me to think that like had i made a different choice i would not be in his life i think every moment matters and i think that the way we that we love people and approach people and speak to people i mean one word can change somebody's path truly you know like it just takes one person like showing up for you one person to encourage you motivate you love you show you grace You, you mentioned it earlier grace i think is huge because we're human and we all need it especially right especially right now not that it doesn't matter any other time but yeah i,
1: I think we need more grace on this planet than than ever before because we just don't know we just don't know uh, i don't what people are going through but i guarantee you if not everybody you have come across today then a large percentage i could like make up a fake percentage but um you know is is struggling seriously struggling not just like you know hey i had a rough day I, john always points us out um encourage means to put courage into and we walk around with it for free in our pockets and don't you dare go to bed with it still in your pocket That's hand, so that good. Out. hand that out all day yeah go to bed empty right yeah absolutely i mean it's free what are you going to do with it you know it's, it's yeah. there to give if we just need to we need to take that opportunity and, and it, all it is is
0: intention it is you're right be completely poured out Well, Kate, you are amazing, and I'm so thankful that I got to chat with you, and I'm thankful for your influence and your passion for just everything that you do and the people that you're you're impacting, and just know that I'm one of those people, and I'm excited for just everyone that's going to get to listen to this podcast, and it's just more reach you're going to have, like you said at the beginning, and it's just really awesome, so I really appreciate your time. Oh, I appreciate it.
1: I'm so glad that you started this and I know it's kind of new, but uh, man, I'm going to be pumping this everywhere because I think it's going to be amazing. You have so much passion. So any, anything you need, I'm excited. Let's, let's get this
0: thing out here. Yeah. I appreciate it. I need that bracelet. That's what I need. Yes. That's that's (laughs) definitely going to help. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. absolutely. I'm going to wear it every day. All right, guys, episode three in the books, Kate Lavelle is pure gold. And I hope that you guys are as encouraged and inspired as I am. All right, so let's look at our key takeaways for the week. Number one, encourage means to give courage away. We have the opportunity to pour into people every day. We need to make sure we're going to sleep empty. Number two, self-reflection is the key to growth. We have to acknowledge where we are in order to move forward. And in order to that, we have to be humble and seek growth. Number three, ownership is powerful and contagious. Guys, we have to own where we messed up and then also own the new choice. And we can do that with our people too. We don't do it for them, but we definitely share in that experience. All right, number four, we have to be intentional to always leave our people with love. Let that be the last thing that they hear from us, see from us, feel from us each and every day. It's okay to let our people know that we love them. That's the kind of culture we wanna build. Lastly, we wanna make sure that we build, don't break. So we have to get, get into a practice and a habit of asking ourselves, is this choice, this word, this action, is it going to build or is it going to break? Man, what an awesome episode. So great to have Kate on the show. Glad you guys joined us. Remember, guys, get uncomfortable, find ways to grow. We'll see you next week, friends.